0: Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yussi. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud.
1: Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I am back again with Yussi Roine. What's up?
0: Hey, Toby. All good here. And the highlight of my week, well, actually, the last couple of weeks has been printing. So I've been printing quite a bit. I I have a fairly old HP color laser printer, and I think I got it like nine years ago. And at the time, my idea was that, well, perhaps you could print money with this. But what I use it for now is that I'm doing my thesis for school, and it's up to 65 pages now. I think I'm, I'm close to getting it ready. And I often need to print like two to four pages that I've been fiddling for the whole evening. So I'm printing two to four pages here and there. And then I proofread them on the sofa with a a red pencil to, to mark the typos or mark that, okay, the text flow is not good here. So I sort of enjoy this analog experience, but now my table is also full of paper because I have one paper here, one there. Oh, I need to fix that. I need to fix this. And I ran out of color. that it, it has four color cartridges. So I go to the store and I get these four different cartridges. And one of those is 125 euro. So in total, <laughs> it's about 500 euro to replace that. But a new printer would cost me 200. <laughs> but I, I, I figured since it served me so well for nine years that I'm giving it a couple of more years. By replacing the cartridges. So now I'm immensely happy my printer works. It gives me fresh colors, even if I just do black and white. And I'm not getting the the PC load letter errors that you normally get with printers.
1: So yeah, that's funny. And I remember someone who worked in the printing industry or selling printers. They told me at one point, when you buy a new printer, you will get them with the cartridges, but they're never full. They're, you know, near empty. So you have to buy the replacements you know within a year because you you will run out of ink, and then when you get the replacements, that's going to be more expensive than the actual printer. so yeah that's I get it, but i I haven't had a printer myself for I think six or seven years, so I have managed to stay entirely without printing a single paper. You know it's a bit of a challenge. Sometimes I have to send a document to yep. someone I know and they have to print it for me, but that doesn't happen happen very often. So I'm happy with that.
0: Often, often, sometimes that I need the printer for is that you need to print out a contract, especially when I am used to run my own business. You would have these small things that for some reason or another, you couldn't do fully digital. So you would need to print like two pages, sign it, ship it someplace. So the printer, while it takes not too much space, but it still requires a bit of its own space. I feel it's super useful as long as it works. When it stops working, you start hating it. (laughs)
1: Yep. So on on my side, like I said, no printers, but since we're moving, I'm packing up a bunch of stuff in in my office at the moment. And I found a black box, like a packing box. I had no idea what's in it. And I opened the lid and I see I have an original Nintendo 8-bit that we got in the late 80s. So not one of these modern USB powered, you know, with a USB controller, whatever you can plug in with an emulator and 5 million games. It's the actual original Nintendo 8-bit in the original box with the original games. So I have Fighting Golf was in the in the device when I opened it. And then Super Mario Bros, one, two, and three. And you know these very old, but classic games. Um, so that was a real nostalgia trip. Uh, so I tried it out because I also found one of these adapters because um, it's one of these very old type of connections. I don't know if they, they're called SCART or whatever they're called. Yeah, I think um, it was called SCART back in the 80s. Yeah, and, and my TV is like, what the heck is that? But luckily, I also have an adapter for that because at, at some point in my life, I also got a new TV and I had an old device using SCART. I don't know if that was a video recorder that I needed to plug in. Um, so I had one of those kind of adapters so I could plug it into my 4K TV, which is about 50 inch, and it worked. So I, it didn't work initially. And I figured, well, it's been here for so long, so it probably doesn't work at all. But then I turn it off and I unload the cassette and I do the old trick that I think everyone who had a Nintendo has has done at some point. You pull out the cartridge and then you blow into it to clean it. And then you blow into the device and then blow a couple of more times into the cartridge, plug it f- fast, you plug it in and push it, push it down and then power on. And what do you know? Fighting golf starts up. It 1988. Did <laughs> did you know, and these sounds and everything—it's like a trip down nostalgia lane. Um, But uh, the the cables for the hand controller, like these, are also original, so they're not very long, because you you were kind of closer to the TV at the back in the day. So I have to kind of stretch my arms as far as I can, because my TV is 50 inch and it's an 8 bit device with 8-bit games, so it, like everything is super duper pixelated, so I have to step back as far as I can into my room holding my hands out with the controllers to actually see what's going on on the TV. But that was a really cool trip down nostalgia lane, so a lot of memories, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good times. Me and my brother, we, we fought and loved over uh, playing these games, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. So in a sense, it's an analog memory uh, of a kind of a digital device.
0: That's that's one of the things you have to hold on to. And, and when you set up your new living room or your new home office, you have to have that connected so that you can sort of do these memory trips every now and then because that, that, that was the thing from our childhood. We couldn't afford the, the Nintendo 8-bit back at the time. I think it was 1988, 89 or so. So we would walk down to the video rental store, which was about 1.5K, about a mile away. And we would rent it for the weekend for about 20 euro. And then we would play for the whole weekend because we knew that by Monday we wouldn't have the device anymore. And yeah, then, when you, then when you could actually afford one, you didn't want to buy one anymore because you played for all of the weekends already. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, and this is you know resonating well with what we did here in Sweden as well. We had this place uh, called Number One. I remember this like it was yesterday. Also, this was early 90s, I believe, or late 80s. Uh, There was this one place in our city, the only place in the city where you could actually rent the device. And we did the same thing. We rented it and we could play over the weekend. And, you know, we could, usually it was, I don't know, it was another two and a half euro at the time or two euros at the time for each additional game we wanted to rent with the device. So you picked up a couple of games and, Yeah, then we played all weekend and we returned it on on Sunday evening or Monday morning. But then when we actually got the device in our house, you know, our parents noticed that that was the only thing we wanted to do every single day. (laughs) So they put put down the, the ground rules. So we only could play on Saturdays for one hour in the morning because then obviously we had to go outside and play soccer or, you know, do something else. Um, so in a sense, it was better to rent it because then we could play the entire weekend. But then when we got the device, we could only play for one hour per week.
0: <laughs> oh, that was the time. So yeah, we need to do an episode on, on the old gaming consoles at some point. So yeah. today's episode is backups using the new Azure Backup Center. And this is a new feature. It's currently in preview. It was announced during Ignite 2020. But before we actually get to what Azure Backup Center is and, and how it can help you, How do you do backups today, considering everything you have in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I do, on my end, I do backups in a lot of variety or or a lot of different ways with a lot of variety. And one of the things that I do a lot and that we have a lot of is Azure Storage accounts. So while we do have some SQL servers, most of our uh, microservices and, and distributed SaaS solutions are using Azure Storage Accounts because they are really easy to uh, to set up and operate and they have a really great performance. Unfortunately, there is no good built-in way to make backups of that. So we are using scripts. Uh, we built our own scripts, PowerShell scripts, and uh, Azure CLI scripts to to make backups, replicating data from one storage account to another. Uh, some of them also are stored in actual files that we then can plug into file shares located in different subscriptions or you know on on site, if you will, in the uh, in the office. Um, so we still do the the old traditional scripted approach for some backups. Same with key vaults, we have uh, some secrets and certificates and keys that we really need to make a backup of. Because if we kind of lose an encryption key, even though we have soft delete and purge protection on a key vault, if for some reason we manage to screw that up, you know we cannot decrypt any data that we have, and all the the data we have for all customers as well would be. Uh, kind of obfuscated or, or uh, unable to uh, to use it, so we also need to make backups of these things, and we do that securely between different key vaults, but also using scripts. And then I guess we also use the Azure backup service for supported scenarios for VMs and things like that, and some SQL servers. So what what about you? What are your like key scenarios for making backups?
0: So a few years ago, um, I, I sort of decided that. I want to somehow get a grasp on on how I do backups. So my setup for the past couple of years has been mostly the same. I I have a Synology NAS device, and I think it has about 16 terabytes of, of storage space now, and I'm not using all of that. And it has all of my pictures from starting from 2002, I think, when I got my first digital camera, and it has all of my TV recordings, movie recordings from the TV, some of the MP3 files that I never listened to, but I, for some reason, want to hold on to. And all of my documents, all of my files are there. So that's that's sort of the on-site backup that I have. But then I also do off-site backups with Azure Storage. So the Synology is clever enough to offload to Azure Storage. So you can tell the Synology device it's based on Linux, You can tell it that ping all of my data uh, every five minutes or every one minute. And if anything changes, replicate those changes to this Azure storage account that I have. And this setup has worked for about three years now, no glitches at all. And randomly I test uh, restoring something from the cloud or from the Synology and it always works. And then I also have an external hard drive, a USB 3.0 hard drive connected to the Synology And that also takes full backups of of all the crucial files that I have. The problem, of course, with this is that I have two devices for on-site backups, and those devices are in the same room in my home office. So if something happens for the home office, I lose two out of three, but I still have the Azure storage, which I'm happy for. But then what I also built on top of this, and this is super simple stuff, I I have a couple of scheduled scripts, mostly utilizing Robocopy. Uh, to copy stuff between the multiple OneDrive for business uh, accounts that I have and the Synology storage. So if if something fails in OneDrive, I, I have everything in Synology. And if something fails in Synology, one of the crucial files, I have those in OneDrive as well. So I, I find that this sort of setup works well, but it all, all also requires that you have to keep track how things are going. So there's no sophisticated monitoring beyond what you get with Azure Storage and Synology itself. But if something fails, it's up to you to figure out how to fix it. So this is this is sort of the starting point now. And when we get started with Azure Backup Center, this is a new service and it only works through Azure Portal. So it seems there's no PowerShell or API angles for now. And when I got started with Azure Backup Center, when they announced this during Ignite, I went to Azure Portal. I did a search for backup center, it gives you backup center preview, and then you can open it up. And what it gives you, it gives you this fairly nice unified view, a portal view to all of your backup needs, regardless of what in essence you're you're planning to backup. Have you tried it yet yourself?
1: Um, I have taken a look at it. I haven't used it for any production workloads, obviously being a, a preview when I looked at it so i I will not say that I've used it extensively I've just taken a look at it but so so in a nutshell, if I were to um, you know start backups today, I would first probably go here to see what's supported and see if my scenario is supported because i I like the overview that you get but that's pretty much it i've I've seen the announcements I have looked at it I've tried it for some very basic things, but not yet for any production workloads, but it does look
0: pretty promising and um, it's it's fairly simple at least on the surface so what it gives you it gives you the overview what do you have for now and then you can do management of your backups monitoring and reporting of the backups policy and compliance and that's it so with manage you configure what sort of backup policies do you want to have and this is not a policy that applies to everything so you can have multiple policies one could be that let's let's do a full backup every Saturday at 10 PM. That would be one policy. And another policy would be, let's do a daily backup of everything at nine in the morning and nine in the evening, for example. And then you can apply these different policies to different workloads. And perhaps it's, it's good to get this out of the way. Azure Backup Center, for now in the preview, it supports two workloads. And these are Azure Virtual Machines an Azure database for Postgres SQL. That's it. Right. So if you have web apps, if you have Azure, Azure Storage Accounts, if you have something else, you cannot reach those through Azure Backup Center. But the idea here is that the Backup Center gives you this unified view, but you would then still utilize the traditional backup services, meaning Azure Backup which in turn gives you access to additional capabilities. But the Backup Center only gives you these two Azure VM and the PostgreSQL platform-as-a-service instances.
1: So I wonder if the support is going to be extended here, because I I haven't taken a look at that, but that would be interesting to bring someone on board to to talk about in more details about the roadmap as well, uh, because now we have Azure Backups, and then we have Azure Backup Center, And, you know, when do I go to which one? And this to me, this is not clear yet. Um, And I I took a look at the documentation as well. And it didn't compute uh, for me, you know, where, where should I go in what scenario, because it's still a bit vague, uh, the way it's described. So uh, hopefully in a later episode, we can talk when this is in GA, we can talk a little bit about, you know, when do you use what and the supported scenarios moving forward. Um, yeah. But I do like what I'm seeing, and and one thing that I took a look at is like you have the compliance uh, aspect of your backups here as well, where you can kind of say, show me all the resources I have that can be protected, right? So you don't have to uh, think first, hmm, what what is it that I have that I need to kind of back up, but you can go here and say, show me what I can back up, and it will list everything that it uh, supports. And in my case, I found a bunch of VMs and, you know, I, I can see them and then I can select one and say, well, let's start with this one. And this is how I want it configured. This is the policy I want. And, you know, a couple of clicks and that's full circle. And I have my backup. So I, I like the approach and I like what I see and I like the the insights that I get. At some point, I hope they extend uh, the support capabilities beyond VMs and SQL servers. But yeah, time will tell, I guess.
0: Yeah, and, and backup has always been problematic and I'm not just talking about Azure now, I'm talking about backup since whenever. Uh, Back in the day we would use LTO or DLT tapes, magnetic tapes. I, I think we always had problems with them. You would have problems with the cartridges, you would have problems with the software and the metadata and restoring was slow and all that. So perhaps about five, six years ago, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how do I backup everything I had at the time in our on-premises environment. It was about 200 VMs on Hyper-V, some physical servers, stuff in Azure. I wanted to have this sort of backup center unified view, and it didn't really exist unless you got, go, went, went to a third party and they would charge you massively, like five figures for a license to back up everything. So looking at the backup center documentation, they have a nice backup center support matrix, which is a fairly lengthy table saying these specific things that if you want to backup this and this, then it's supported or not. But the support matrix also gives you the other options that you can use for backups. So currently in Azure, what you can use for backing up things, you have Azure backup, that's the regular one. You have a backup center, which is this new one in preview. Then you have Azure VM backup, which is an individual VM that you can back up, perhaps to an Azure storage. Then you have the system center data protection manager and its lightweight version, Azure backup server or MABS, that allow you to backup things from on-premises. Then you have the Mars agent, which is a separate thing. Then you have SQL Server Backup for SQL Server databases. Then you have SAP HANA Backup. You also have Azure File Share Backup. And then you have different uh, VM support policies on how you can backup. So there's about 10 different ways to complete these backup needs. And I hope the vision here is that Azure Backup Center will unify all of these down the road and I I think it might take a couple of years because there's so many different options in here. One of the things that Azure Backup Center does give you, it allows you to do governance and the governance is based on Azure policies. And we've talked about Azure policies back in episode 25 and also a bit on episode 22 when we talked about Azure Arc, it was still in preview at the time. So you can combine the Azure policy needs with Azure Backup Center. And there's a couple of default policies. One saying, ensure that any new Azure VM that we provision will be backed up using Azure Backup Center.
1: So a lot of options for backups. One thing that strikes my mind here is I've done backups for a long time, but I've also missed making backups in some scenarios in in my days. And at some point, yeah, we needed a backup and we didn't have one. And, you know, that, that was... A long time ago now, but, you know, a single one of those mistakes or a scenario where kind of neglect a resource that you want to back up. And then when that resource is corrupt or doesn't exist anymore, you realize I should have had a backup. Uh, so what I've, you know, been through that the the hard way. And I believe many of us have, which makes it even more important for me, at least to to actually set up the backups. One thing, though, I want to kind of highlight is you can make a backup. Just because you make a backup doesn't mean that you can restore it. So it's a good idea to always do a full disaster uh, recovery type of scenario. So what happens if a disaster strikes and uh, your storage account is deleted or your Key Vault's data is corrupt or, you know, for for whatever reason, your resource is no longer in a working state and your entire business relies on this one VM or whatever it is, can you actually restore the data? So you have the backup and and you see a green flag saying, yeah, we backed up this VM yesterday or this database two days ago. Can you actually restore it? So do take that into consideration for the planning. Even if you have these great tools and the Azure Backup Center is nice, you get the green flag saying, I did a backup and everything looks good. Do try to make a restore. You you can restore it to a new instance of a VM or something else if you want. Make sure you try a restore and make sure things work. Because making a backup is not the same as business continuity success. Because if you cannot restore it, or it takes two weeks to restore something that needs to take two hours, then we need to reconsider how we do that. So just a, yeah. a tip from experience, <laughs> unfortunately.
0: <laughs> exactly. And this is something that I often neglect. And and then I realize, oh yeah, I need to try out restoring things to ensure everything is fine. The when you start with Azure Backup Center, uh, it requires a vault. And, and there's two different types of, types of vault for backups in Azure. There's the recovery services vault and a backup vault. And I, I have to admit, it's been years since I fiddled more with vaults. So I had to look this up. And in a nutshell, a recovery services vault is something that supports many of of the the more exotic workloads like System Center DPM and Azure SQL Database and and similar special cases. And Backup Vaults support more modern workloads such as Azure Database for PostgreSQL. And what was interesting is I set up Azure Backup Center in the preview and I wanted to try out, uh, so I spun up a Windows Server 2019 virtual machine in the same subscription. So Azure Backup Center is capable of going beyond just one subscription. But I spun up a VM, I created a backup vault, so not a recovery services vault. And then I went to Azure Backup Center to say, let me create a policy and let me create a job so that you will back up this one VM every day at 10 p.m. That's the default policy. And nothing happened. It simply gave me an error that no, no, it's not going to work out. And for me to get this working out was that I had to create a recovery services vault for the VM, but it seems that I need a backup vault if I want to back up the PostgreSQL, and I need a recovery services vault if I want to back up an Azure VM.
1: I haven't used the backup vaults or recovery services vaults, you know, to any great length or, or uh, extension, but. Um... Yeah, I think figuring these things out before you journey down into the backup scenarios is a good thing and like plan for how you want to make your backups, what you need to backup and how you're going to recover the data if in case of data loss or services are deleted and things like that. So that definitely makes sense, again, to take a step back, do the planning, execute it, test your backups. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So what, what else do we need to know about Azure Backup Center?
0: So there's not much else to know. So you can configure how do you do backups by selecting what vaults you're going to employ. Then you configure the backup jobs. You have monitoring, which is based on log analytics. So you can use Azure Monitor. And then you have governance, which utilizes Azure policies. So perhaps the last last bit here is pricing. So I couldn't find any pricing information. So that implies to me that Azure Backup Center is free because it's mostly an interface to utilize Azure Backup for VMs, which means we have to look at the pricing for Azure Backup. And by looking at the Azure Pricing Calculator, when you backup VMs, I have just selected one VM with a 30 gig system drive. That's usually the, the default one here. And I want to retain that daily backup for 30 days and I want to retain one weekly backup, one monthly and one yearly backup. And that will cost me $7.73 per month. So roughly uh, $2 is the storage and $5 is the protection and automation for implementing and and executing those backups.
1: Yeah, it's not too bad.
0: No, and and of course, if you have 2,000 VMs, you have to account for costs like this. But I often often feel that if you have 2,000 VMs, You all also, you have have the budget, you already invest quite a bit in Azure. And I think we had this same sort of discussion back when Azure Sentinel came available and companies started realizing that, oh, we need log analytics quite a bit for this. So how much is this going to cost us? And I actually saw somebody complaining that we have 20 terabytes of logs coming in every day, and this is not cheap anymore. And I figured, well, if you have 20 terabytes coming in, you cannot assume it's going to be free anymore because you have such massive investment in there already. So perhaps the support software like Azure Sentinel and Azure Backup, they might start costing you quite a bit because you have so much data you need to manage. So we'll we'll, we'll put in the show notes the the support matrix links because I, I thought those were the most useful ones here. When you need to figure out what, when to use what, what do I use when I need to backup things? And also we'll add the notes for the, the Azure Backup documentation because there's, there's fairly easy to read content in how do you get started with this?
1: Yeah, I think that sounds good. Like I said before, I, I don't have insights into the roadmap right now for where this is going with the backup center. But if we do figure something out and we learn more about it, we can also add that to the show notes at some point and possibly put that in an upcoming blog post. Because I do think this is important. I do think it's essential to have this in your arsenal moving forward and understand all the supported scenarios that you can do with your backups. But also, again, make sure you do the restore test
0: And just when we're completing this episode, my Azure Backup Center gives me a green check mark that the backup to my VM completed successfully for today as well. So we are all good. Quick, quick, try to restore it. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's let's save that for the next episode, should it fail. All righty, thanks for joining us for backups using the new Azure Backup Center. And until next time. All right, see you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast.
1: Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.